Welcome to another exciting episode of Mission Compliance, Unleashing Growth Potential for Defense Contractors. In today's episode, we have a special focus on small and medium-sized businesses, or SMEs, and the big opportunities that lie within the defense industry. Join us as we explore the tips and advice that can help SMEs navigate the defense contracting landscape with confidence and unlock their full potential. We'll uncover strategies to overcome barriers, find their unique niche, and secure successful partnerships in this thriving industry. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a small business owner, or simply curious about the opportunities in defense contracting, this episode is packed with valuable information that will empower you on your journey. Let's dive in. We're joined once again today by Mike Frieder, president of On-Call Compliance Solutions, CMMC registered practitioner, and CMMC certified professional assessor. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Hey, thanks for thanks for being here, Roman. Really appreciate it. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Anytime. Always a good day to talk about compliance. That's right. So, Mike, in a lot of your YouTube videos where you walk viewers through individual CMMC control points, you make a lot of mentions of small and mid-sized enterprises, or SMEs, and how they might differ in their compliance needs to a larger company. Let's get into that. What are the key challenges that small and mid-sized businesses face when entering the defense industry, and how can they overcome them? Oh, that's a great question, Roman. And I think it's a, it's a question that is truly near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, I'll share with you a couple experiences and, and, and the answer. So one thing is, you know, when we were getting into defense contracting years and years ago, I will tell you that you couldn't touch us uh, you know, for anything less than about $15,000. I mean, just even really have a, an intelligent conversation um, in regards to compliance and cybersecurity, et cetera. Um, it, it was minimum $15,000. There was, you know, it was, it was, look, if we're not getting you compliant, we don't really want to talk to you. Um, and that continued on for really quite a while until one one day I was actually covering for one of my salespeople because, uh, you know, I, I think that's really fun to do. And I'm a sick sick person. And, and I happen to love uh, taking sales calls and things like that. I don't get to do it as much as I used to, but nonetheless, it's a, it's a fun place to be, you know, yeah. working with people who, uh, who need help, right? That's kind of one of my passions. So, you know, we were, we were discussing it and we discovered that the uh, young woman on the phone was uh, maybe not so young at all. She was about 84. Um, she, young at heart. That's right. She was young at heart for sure. And she also happened to be a sole source vendor for a particular part on a particular fighter jet. Now, I won't go into detail there just because of NDAs and all that fun stuff. But, um, you know, it's something that we widely talk about here. You know, she said to me, she, she said, look, honey, I'm happy to pay your price. But the problem is, if I pay that price, I won't I won't pay myself for like three months. And I was just dumbfounded about that. And I, I thought to myself, well, aren't all defense contractors large? And how could that be the case? And. So I, I had somebody in the background. I said, hang on one second. This doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Let me look it up. We looked up her company. We looked up what her awards were. And sure enough, she had about $300,000 in awards. And that was it. And a lot of those awards were firm fixed price. And, you know, I think she maybe had like a 15, 20% margin or something like that. And all that stuff is publicly available. And so we were able to sort of get some insights on her. And we looked back and we said, look, you know, we can do this. We can do it in your case virtually. Uh, she didn't really have a, a you know a facility. We could you know the facility she did have. We could walk around with a smartphone, and we invented a micro program to be able to take care of those people who are under five employees, the micro crowd as we call it, 
Um, and what's amazing is, you know, 25% of defense spending is supposed to go to small business. Um, small is a relative term, right? I, I happen to think that there's a lot of businesses out there that are really big. Uh, they're still classified as small businesses by the government. But, you know, ultimately, um, in the case of the really small business, this has been a hard pill to swallow. Um, we at OnCall take that as, as a mission. You know, if, if you look across many of our websites, we have a mission statement that says our mission is to provide compliance and cybersecurity solutions uh, affordably and deploy them rapidly. Uh, it's it's really that's who we are. And I'll tell you, that comes from us spending a lot of years being a small and even a micro business in the beginning. Um, I'll tell you, I don't ever wake up and forget the pain of being small in our early days. You know, I started this business 20 years ago, believe it or not, when I was only 20 years old and being young and being, uh, you know, in a position where, you know, it was me versus much more well-established companies in every market that we ever went into uh, and going from there to a globally recognized managed IT service provider and a globally recognized defense support company. Um, you know, it's been a heck of a journey, but we don't forget where we came from and we don't forget where most companies start. Um, and so I think from, from our perspective, one, you know, we, we actually went back and made a micro program that was very, very affordable. Um, you know, she agreed that she could afford that program. And uh, it's the same quality program that we put on for our large enterprise clients with tens of thousands of employees. We just made it so that the program and the price scale. Um, we've also worked extremely hard to develop solutions from an IT perspective or a cybersecurity and information security perspective that can fit any budget. So if you're a big enterprise client, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take some money to secure something that big. But we've figured out ways that the small and mid-sized companies can be able to employ these solutions, get fully 100% compliant, and uh, do it for a very reasonable price. And I think it, what it all stems from is, and I have this, this other saying, uh, we, we what we say is we say, look, if you're a small business, I don't want you to have to choose between paying yourself or following the law and getting compliant. And so if you ask me what I think the biggest challenge is for the small to mid-sized business, that's it. It's the money that's involved. You know, It takes money to hire a company like ours. Uh, it takes money and time to have someone on staff who can understand this stuff. I mean, I'm talking like six to 18 months on average for someone to even understand this, let alone implement everything that's needed. Uh, and then the money for the solutions to properly secure yourself um, so yeah, the money is a big, a big aspect of it. You know, we help our clients to look into, are there cost reimbursement options? Are there, you know, can, can we help level that playing field? Can we boost up sales to cover these costs? We have a plethora of methodologies that we teach during our consultations, uh, during our done for you program that teach you how to sell more defense work, you know, how to reach back out to those support, those people that hired you and say, look, I want to earn more of your business. Um, and we teach those methodologies uh, to the point where we really firmly believe that when companies hire us, uh, it's a net positive result within a 12-month period. And certainly we can't guarantee that. It's up to them to go out and get the business, but we go show them how. So I think money is the number one factor. The second factor is expertise. Um, this compliance standard is really fascinating to me. You know, uh, if you take an ISO compliance standard, that's a quality compliance standard. It's all about the quality of the products you put out. There is usually a person on staff at virtually every manufacturer, just as an example, who is an ISO compliance person or who is a quality person. 
And so that all fits under one guy's hat, uh, you know, or a or a division's hat. And it's pretty much there. It's obviously their responsibility. This is information security. Information security is everybody's responsibility. And so I think another massive challenge, particularly in smaller organizations, is a lot of smaller organizations don't know how to be organized and carry out tasks that require more than one person to execute them. I want to share. I want to share another another quick story for you, uh, yeah. and it's a story from um, from when my wife and I actually were getting married. Uh, it's kind of a fun story. So uh, in the Jewish religion, when you are going to go get married, typically you go sit down with the rabbi and he, you know, either does like a couple little sessions with you, do some like teaching. It's kind of like pre-marriage counseling, but before you're married. So he kind of sits uh, my wife, Rachel and I down and we're sitting at his desk and he says, look, you guys can be fine for a couple of years, but then the real problems are going to hit. We said, well, I don't know. We haven't had an argument in like, you know, two years. Like what, what on earth are we in for here? And he goes, look, you guys are very, very bright individuals and you're very capable of solving a problem. You can solve any problem that you've ever come across so far. You can solve that problem because, frankly, smart couples, one of them in the couple is going to be able to go figure that out. He goes, you know, I predict when you guys have kids, you're going to have some real struggles because that'll probably be about the first time you actually have to work together to solve anything. Right. Up until that point, one of you is going to take, you know, uh, you know, point on the issue and you're going to go out and solve it. And you're both so capable that either one of you could really solve any issue you come across. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, he was exactly right. I mean, the communication breakdowns that we had, the struggles that we had, uh, you know, it took a lot of effort for us to figure out like a whole new language. I mean, we really had to reconstruct our relationship and how we dealt with each other uh just to be able to actually solve one problem but with two people involved in that troubleshooting um and you know hopefully that's a relevant example because i'll tell you when it comes to nist sb 800 and dfars information security isn't just two people's problem working together i mean it's like the whole company right so the executives have to push it down and believe in it then the it people have to execute on the it stuff then you've got to probably have some legal expertise to deal with all of the written policies and things like that that have to get put in place. Then you're going to have to have the HR people involved in training. And I got to tell you, most of these divisions operate as like, you know, isolated silos. If they even exist in smaller businesses, right? You got a 20 person business and the likelihood of you having a legal department is pretty small. So I think the biggest challenge that I really see is actually being successful in the implementation when there's a bunch of people involved that have to be involved in order to execute compliance correctly. So I would definitely sort of, you know, bring that to note. How do you solve that problem? I think that's one place that we've really demonstrated an an incredible strength. So one is, I'll tell you that we really are in a great position as an outside consultant. You can think of us as like a marriage counselor, right? We come in and we understand what each key stakeholder in the company really wants out of getting compliant. The CEO wants to make money. The CFO wants to know that the money is going to come in on time. The IT director wants to know that he can sleep good at night because they're implementing the cybersecurity solutions he wanted to put in two years ago, and he's finally got a reason to put them in. The HR person wants the training to not be overwhelming and for her to be hated because, uh, you know, she's you know, got the fifth training this month that's net new that she's got to go put onto this team, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, female, male, don't get me wrong, you know, there's plenty of male male and uh, different kinds of HR people, but you get my point. Um, 
you know, ultimately there are so many people that have to play a role in getting compliant that really is truly best led from an outside authority. And I'll, I'll even go one more, one more sort of shoe length on that, which is I, I've talked to multiple, multiple companies, big and small. And I love big companies because I'll tell you what, the big companies really know how to put things in perspective. Uh, and it was described to me like this once, you know, even when you have an internal person that understands this stuff, it's still very hard for an IT director who maybe has 50 to 60% of the responsibility on this compliance standard to be able to push HR training out, right? That's, there's just internal issues that stop that from happening a lot of times. It's impossible for the IT director to go walk into the sales office and teach the things that we teach. And so as, as you know, we've been told on multiple occasions, really at the end of the day, sometimes what you got to do is, is the company's got to write a big darn check to recognize the value that an outside consultant is going to bring when they show up, uh, when, when they came to work in a plane instead of a car, like every other employee. And when they park in the visitor spot instead of the, instead of the, uh, you know, the employee lot, there are just simply some things that happen when you have an expensive outside consultant walk in the door and, uh, and it is that you listen to them, right? You understand the value because you had to stroke a check for that. And so I think in that regard, that's another area where the small businesses really struggle is in understanding how to accept help from somebody outside, you know, from, from a third party, how to recognize that this isn't really something that's going to easily be done from the inside. Uh, so, you know, look, I think one of the things that we're working on right now is we're actually working on a do-it-yourself methodology for small to mid-sized businesses. It's the only one that exists. It's, uh, it's a very unique product offering, and we hope it's going to work. But, you know, ultimately, it is really hard to do this yourself as a small to mid-sized business. And the small to mid-sized business mindset is a mindset that is heavily fortified in the, in the state of mind that they've got to do everything themselves because they theoretically don't have the resources. When, in fact, reality is they do. They just got to cough up the checkbook and make it happen. And it'll all, it'll all go much, much smoother that way. So, um, yeah, great, great question. Hopefully I, hopefully I covered all the bases uh, basis points there, but um, I definitely think that the money part and the and the HR sort of the number of people that are involved in getting this thing to work are uh, are are big key challenges to the small to mid sized enterprise. Absolutely, in what may seem like a David David and Goliath situation, it's it's important for a smaller business to show to show how they can differ and set themselves apart from their much larger competitors and. It is something that's it. It is something of a competition to 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 get that defense work to get those contracts. How can a small business identify their unique value um, proposition and and find their niche their niche? That I, that's a hard word for me. How how can a small business identify their unique value proposition and and I and find their niche within the defense contracting landscape? That's, that's, that's a really, really great question. And you know what, we go really in depth in that with the clients who, who want us to, and let us, because I'll tell you, like I said earlier, our goal is that, you know, we know you've got to get compliant. You got to pay to get compliant. That's no secret, but we try to make it so that everybody that works with us winds up net positive on this within 12 months. We're the only consultant I've ever heard of even frankly caring. Um, but we do that because we do have a lot of small to mid-sized businesses. Again, we love our enterprise clients. We really do. We have a ton of those clients and we really like taking care of them. They provide us with good challenges. They provide us with uh, a lot of work. 
but you know, the small to mid-sized guys, you know, they're, they're kind of where our heart is too. Um, so, you know, what would I say about that is, um, you know, I think, can you ask the question one more time? Just let me make sure that I, I understood it correctly. So. Sure, sure. Absolutely. You want to give me another shot at that word? <laughs> I, I just love hearing you say the word niche, actually. Especially because I've said it like three or four different times throughout the course of this podcast already. So let's see how many more I can come up with. How can a small business identify their unique value proposition and find their niche within the defense contracting landscape? Yeah. So how can you find your niche? So the first thing that I would do is this. Um, I, I will tell you that I actually have, um, and keep in mind, I'm not just a compliance guy. I'm also a CEO as well. And um, there's no job in, in our company that I have not personally worked myself. Uh, and I have something on, on one of my walls that basically says, scaling up is doing more of what works, not finding more new stuff to do. Um, that's a that's a really a really good motto to live by when you're in this position. So let's kind of explore the construct here of where we're going. One is you've got to go pay to get compliant, okay? One way or another, okay? Uh, sometimes we come across mid-sized companies that have got it pretty close to all together, um, but at that point, you're probably not that small anymore. So for the smaller companies out there, um, I, I'll share with you a personal decision that I made very early on in, in my business, which was uh, I remember when I was growing, it was never big enough, right? The business was never big enough. The sales were never big enough. And my thought was, you know, if things go really south, at least I'll have layers and layers of business that would have to be undone in order for this thing to really hit the floor. Um, there are a lot of people who are very, very happy with a business being super, super small. And you know what? You probably have a lot more sanity than I do. You're probably a happier person than I am from time to time. But the reality is there are dangers in being really, really small, right? There's just not a lot of room. There's not a lot of fat to cut off if there's a problem or you get a contract canceled. So we advocate growth. We love working with growth-oriented companies. We're a huge fan of it. Uh, we've had tons and tons of our clients actually get bought out before uh, you know, on the backs of their success in defense. We've had a lot of other companies that have actually teamed with venture capital companies and they've gone on buying sprees. Uh, we, we love those journeys. Those are really, really fun for us. Um, and what I'll share is, is that the first real thing you have to understand is that it's okay to narrow down a niche. It's okay. You'll be all right. All right. So if you've got 30% of your business that right now is in defense, you got 70% that's in private sector, and you're thinking to yourself, man, this is all very interesting. I'm going to have to pay for this. And you're debating you know, about the financial merits of getting compliant. First off, first thing I'll tell you is there's no financial merit about getting compliant. If you're doing the work, you've legally obligated yourself to do it. This isn't a financial decision. This is a legal decision, mm -hmm. uh, period. I, I We hear that a lot. I think I just did a YouTube on that a week ago, a uh, YouTube video. Um, and what we were discussing was the idea that, look, the cost to get compliant isn't an option. If you've got one shred of defense work, you're legally mandated if you've, you know, to, to follow the DFARS requirements. This isn't a question. It's not a financial decision, Mr. Business Owner. If it is, if it becomes a business decision, you need to immediately relinquish that business. Okay. Otherwise, the fines and the penalties and frankly, the damage that you can do to the United States is just too far deep. So not to get on a diatribe there, but that's the first thing is to understand you're either in defense or you're not. And I think that's a, a big part of this. Um, the next thing is, okay, if you're in defense, let's be in defense, right? Defense is amazing, amazing revenue. I'm a huge, huge fan of it. Two things that I'll tell you, uh, we have a graph that we often show our clients and, and you know, we're on a podcast, so I can't really show it. But the graph essentially shows, if you can imagine this, 
an upward trajectory in U.S. defense spending over time, period. Like it just only goes up. There might be a bump in the road here or there one year. But let me tell you, the United States basically never spends less money uh, this year than they did last year. Right? It's, it's a serious continuing trend over time. So one is you can be pretty satisfied knowing that the U.S. DOD is just going to keep spending more money. And that's a what client do you have right, that just continues to spend more money on that kind of scale? Second thing is U.S. DOD is a niche itself. All right. Doing defense work is more than enough to satisfy even the biggest companies like Lockheed and Raytheon and Bay Systems. And I mean, gosh, you guys, these guys have made their companies on the backs of DOD and, and helping to secure the country. So I promise there's more than enough business out there for you if you're listening to this podcast. Um, next thing is to understand that, you know, doing business with the DOD is not that different from doing business with anybody else. You have to market yourself. So if it's been a while since you polished up that uh, capability statement, if it's been a while since you have um, really looked at how you market yourself or present yourself to those people in the government who may be doing the purchasing or the primes, then you know what? It might be time to look over that again, right? Let's make sure you have a capability statement, especially if you're small and that's not even a familiar term to you. Uh, let's make sure that you're keeping a regular contract with the people that got you into this mess in the first place. Here's the example, right? Someone says, hey, you got to be DFARS compliant. You go back to them and say, hey, cool, I got DFARS compliant. Now, here's the thing. This cost me a lot of money. I've done what you've asked me to do. I have a request for you in return. I would like to earn more of your business so that I can at least break even or actually be profitable on the expenditures that I just had to put out getting compliant for you. What are our options? How can you help us to grow? We want to be a great vendor for you and satisfy all of your defense work. That's that's just an absolute sales basic fundamental. And you know what? If you're an IT guy or a general counsel and you're listening to this podcast, you think to yourself, hey, I'm not a sales guy. Well, you know what? You're not a salesperson, but I'll tell you this. The difference between an executive and middle management is middle management does and implements while executives, right, probably where you want to get to are the people who innovate and come up with these ideas. So there's a great innovation idea. And let me tell you what, the people who are at the executive level, every single one of them, I guarantee you have some responsibility to make sure that the company is profitable. Bringing in money, saving money, whatever it is, that is a key characteristic of executive management. Okay, so we do a lot of work with entrepreneurs as well outside of on call. You know, I do a lot of mentoring, and I'll just share with you guys that ultimately, if you're not helping to bring in money, your job is way less secure. All right, so that's another way to put it too. So, and again, if you're the small business owner, your company's a lot less secure. So, again, strong adv ad strong advocacy for not doing something different, but just going back to that same group of people that purchase from you saying, hey, we are way more secure than we were before. We want you to know that. We want you to know that we're an excellent partner to do defense business with. And we want you to also know that you guys can win too, all right? We want you to know that we want to earn more of your business. And, you know, I got to tell you, there's just very few scenarios that I've ever encountered where when someone actually comes to me and genuinely says, I would love to earn more of your business, that I don't, as a human being, instinctively go looking for opportunities for that person such a strong human characteristic uh it's and if you want to know the name for it by the way it's called reciprocity right i you know mm -hmm. i did something for you i got compliant and because i'm telling you that i did this thing for you you're gonna want to give back and what that giving back looks like is sending them more business right especially if you can kind of have a reiterative conversation with them from month to month 
to make sure you're staying top of mind. And I have to tell you, you want to know why businesses stay small? It's because they fail to do that. It's really honestly because they fail when it comes to doing the absolute basics when it comes to selling. And as far as the niche part of your question, um, first thing is it's really scary to niche. I, I just, I'll pass on again, another story from us growing our business. We were a run of the mill managed IT services company and we did it all. And we were very, very good at all, right? I would take on anything from a car dealer to a doctor. If you lived and breathed and would write me a paycheck, I promise I'd manage your technology and I'd do it better than anybody else. Here's the problem. So is every other IT guy out there. All right. And you can't really tell the difference between them. Um, we, we were very fortunate that very early on, we had a passion for cybersecurity and keeping people safe. We had some bad stuff happen to clients early on. We figured that out. We, we basically figured out how to make it so that never happens again. Um, just some really, really positive stuff. Uh, but hard learning lessons, right? That's what 20 years in business will get you. Uh, one of the other lessons that we kept hearing over and over again is, hey, there's riches in niches, right? That's one of my favorite sayings. There's riches in niches. And the problem with telling somebody that is you can tell that to them until you're blue in the face and you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. They don't know what that's like. And um, I'll give you a great example of, of the way that we have niched over time. We've gone from being a generalized managed IT services firm uh, that had a concentration in defense just by proxy of where our offices were. Again, Jacksonville, Florida, Norfolk, Virginia, got major, major pockets of defense uh, and defense contractors in those areas. Um, and then, you know, we niched into defense contractors. And then we niched even further into a lot of manufacturing specifically. Uh, you know, we love going to those fun buildings with tons and tons of row after row after CNC machines and five axis machines and robotic welders. And those are just cool places to go hang out and see neat stuff. Um, and those are clients that frankly, we deliver a massive amount of value to. We still take care of all the other defense contractors. We really put a lot of emphasis into those people who manufacture in the defense space. Now, if you were to ask me a couple of years ago, hey, Mike, is there enough money to run a multi-multi-million dollar business doing nothing but compliance for machinists and job shops and manufacturers only within the defense space, buddy, I would have told you, you were freaking crazy. I would I would have told you there's no way whatsoever that you could possibly build a big giant business out of that. And you know what we have? Uh, we have, we're super proud of it. And you know what the crazy part about it is the more and more that we niche down and really lock down who our ideal client is, uh, the more we find out there's actually more business there. And I think for, for any defense contractor that's out there, uh, you know, and, and, and any defense contractor that's out there and you're, and you're trying to understand what that means. I think it's a really great example to follow. And I think when it comes to defense work, boy, I got to tell you when the pandemic was on, we just doubled down and did more of what we were doing before. Right. I mean, that's the rule. Don't try to do different stuff. Our people, our clients, they were essential workers. All right. No pandemic is going to be able to stop them. I mean, it's wartime necessary stuff. Uh, you get a hurricane coming through. Guess what? They're essential workers. I love defense. They're literally my favorite people to work with because they can't stop working. No hurricane, no storm, no pandemic. Uh, and you know what? They don't run in parallel with the rest of the economy either. While the economy may be down, I promise you, if the economy's down, defense is up. If the economy is up, defense is up. It's a really great place. And yeah, I'm sure that there are probably some very limited points in time when defense has been down. I can't really find them very easily on a graph. It, you know, defense being down just looks like the revenue is somewhat steady and still an inclining a little bit. Uh, but you know, again, it just it's I just can't emphasize that enough. It's such a great place to be. So I think at a certain point in time, 
you really have to get a grip on who is your ideal customer. And then you got to make the big leap and say, no, I won't take you on if you're not that person, which frees up an unbelievable amount of bandwidth for you to go and pursue the people who you can help the most and who you can deliver the most value to. So, um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully that helps. Uh, hopefully that's, that answer is kind of in line. I know it's probably leaping a little bit more into the entrepreneurial and the business end of things, but nonetheless, again, our goal is to help our clients pay for this stuff. I don't want, I don't think a defense contractor should have to come out of pocket and be less profitable because they're doing the right thing and following the law. And unlike any other consultant in the world, we go to great lengths when we work with our clients one-on-one to really help them put a program in place that's going to help them succeed on that front. Because you know what? If I didn't cost you any money and I helped you make money and open your eyes, you're going to pass me on to the next 10 defense contractors who are either subbing for you or above you or next to you. And I have to tell you, we've done tremendous, tremendous things doing that. So I really am a big fan of, of helping people, right? As, as, as my good friend Zig Ziglar says, you can have anything you want in life as long as you help enough other people get what they want in life. And, and really, that's I think that's a really strong part of who we are at On Call is you know, people who are truly dedicated to the success of defense contractors, not just even being compliant, but I mean, defense is a business. Because let me tell you, the other side of that graph that I haven't talked about, which is uh, you know, there's a graph of the defense spending going up. There's another graph that's way more frightening, which is a graph of the number of defense vendors going down dramatically. There are half as many people trying to get defense work now as there was 15, even 10 years ago, half. That means that the U.S. government, which has greater demand, has less supply. And you know what? going to not kid you here. A lot of that reasoning is because of uh, you know, these increased regulations, they have to be there. We have to keep these people protected. We have to keep our information protected, but there's just only a certain number of people who are willing to jump through the hoops and stand up and do it the right way. And our mission as a company is to change that and show them, you know what, it doesn't have to be that hard. It can be easy. Yeah. It's an in-depth subject matter, but you know what, we can help make that something that's possible. Yeah. I, you know, one of the most important things for for any small business, not not just defense, but defense as well, is is once you understand your niche, to find to find your customer and to be able to provide uh, whatever your customer needs. And I think one advantage that an SME may have uh, over a much larger enterprise is is the ability to maneuver and be flexible to meet the unique needs of their clients. And so, how can small small businesses leverage their agility and flexibility to their advantage when competing for defense contracts? Great question. And, you know, I think that there's probably two different directions that I'll go with that answer. Uh, the first one is just to double down on what I said earlier, which is go back to where the money came from, find out how you can get more of it from them. So I, I think that's the first thing. Um I just cannot, it just, it boggles my mind how few defense contractors really do that. And, and God bless them, right? Because they probably stumbled and mumbled into defense, right? Um, and, and they just, for some reason, they just like lose their head and forget the fundamentals of business. Now, if you're a big business and you got a sales department, you, you get it. But a lot of the job shops, machine shops, smaller defense contractors out there, they don't, they don't got it, right? They've got probably a CEO that's selling, maybe one guy under him and they've lost track of what got them where they are. And therefore they lose track of what gets them bigger. Uh, so second thing is I would also encourage you to do some teaming. 
Um, this is not the private sector where you're just selling one thing to another. There is a large swath, 25% of defense dollars that are supposed to go to small to mid-sized businesses. So if it was me, another thing that I would do is I would reach out to some of the larger primes, you know, the Lockheeds, Raytheons, you name it in the, in the world. I would go to some of their trade shows. They hold in-house trade shows. They hold their own shows. You've got to get off the pandemic couch and go see these people in person. Okay. You want to grow, go talk to them in person. Defense is still an old school business. Okay. It's done business to business. It's done hip to hip, person to person. Uh, you know, we do a massive amount of online stuff, but I'm going to tell you what really gets us. We do all this online stuff and then we go meet them in person, right? And then they know us, they like us, they trust us. Um, so I would highly encourage you to get out there and go meet these people in person and don't be shy about saying, here's my business card. Here's my capability statement. I would love to earn more of your business. How can we work together? I know you've got small business set asides going on. All we're trying to do is help supply, you know, be a good supplier. We're already DFARs in this compliant. Let me say that phrase alone. We're already DFARs in this compliant. We're ready for CMMC level two. That statement alone makes you more qualified than 97% of other defense contractors right now. Not even kidding. All right. If you can go through and get compliant, that is the fastest way to go out there and get some defense work. Because let me tell you what, right now is the biggest shift in who large primes can use for defense work. There's also a lot of small businesses getting the heck out of defense because they don't want to comply with this stuff. I think that's a silly move, but there's also a lot of compliance people that are telling everybody that this is going to take six figures and years to do. I think it's garbage. I hate that stuff. I was recently talking with another vendor. That vendor and I aligned on the concept that their product or solution, it, it didn't cover the company getting compliant, but it covered a, a piece of it. And the idea was really simple. It was, hey, uh, this stuff shouldn't be so hard. It is, but you know what? Us as consultants, we should be able to make it a whole lot easier for them. That's that's why we're professionals at it. So, um, you know, again, look towards going out and shaking hands and meeting the people who've got this work to give out. And also at those events, go talk to them about teaming with people. Maybe you can do one piece of a very large, you know, DOD contract. Maybe you can be an extra person on the bench for some of these larger companies. And you never know when it's your, your time to come out and throw the pitch. Um, but, you know, I, I think I would really strongly advocate for meeting other defense contractors and seeing where you can maybe fit in with them. I think the other thing is keep a flexible mindset when you're small. All right. Here's a great example. We used to be a managed IT services company, and now we've converted into a compliance company. Why? Because we love that work. We love that work. We like, we really have a passion about it. We also have a passion about delivering the IT, but not just anybody. We love doing it for defense contractors. You know what? Between you and I, we're like like defense contractors. Have you ever thought about this before? Here's my attitude. All right. I'm a little bit of an adventurous guy. If I'm going to do cybersecurity, I want to go do cybersecurity for the gnarliest people in the world to secure. Like I want to go be the shield in the middle of the front lines of battle when there's bullets and missiles flying at me. That's maybe not the smartest thing to do, but you know what? That's what I get absolute great pleasure in. And we have an entire team of people with that same methodology that we don't just want to go secure your typical lawyer doctor's office. I love you guys too. I got a ton of those people as clients as well on the MSP side uh, with our with our parent company on call computer solutions. But let me tell you what, I love defending people who are in trouble. I love helping the little guy. I love leveling the playing field as we do with our cost-effective compliance solutions. 
And, uh, and, and we, we love when people are, are basically, they learn to fight like the big guys. And so I think that the easiest place to go do that is go and go and meet those people, team with those people. Uh, the small business mindset is, um, it's kind of like academics, right? So if you're an academic, it's not a hit on you, but in, in school, when you get something wrong, you fail the test. In life, when you get something wrong, you learn something and you're that much closer to getting it right. And so I think with that in mind, you've got to go and see who can you work with? Who's open to working with you? And can you bend and flex to meet their needs? Uh, that I think in the defense space is just really one of the magical silver bullets. It is a blessing to be small. It really, really is. First off, you got 25% of the money that's set aside for you anyway. You just got to go get it. One of the biggest problems actually these big primes have is they got so much money that has to be done through small business set-asides. They will throw you work that may not even be related to what the core of your company does because they just have to get that money into, they, they have to get the job solved. They won the contract. They don't have an S, a small business to, uh, you know, to, to, to send that money through. So gosh, you know, you just got to go meet those people and you got to team with them. Uh, and I just, I'm such a big proponent of it, you know, and, and if you've been in a business for like 20, 30 years and you know, business is slow or you're, you're trying to figure out how to grow, get up out of the chair, go to a trade show, get on an airplane. All right. Go take a vacation on the company. Right. It's a write off anyway. Uh, and go meet some people you've never met before, uh, and do some real business development just with an open mind showing up is half the game there. All right. That is some, so that's some valuable information. If any of our listeners now out there are small business entrepreneurs or just, just like we said in the intro, just, just curious to see what the, what the landscape is out there for the, the defense industry. Mike, you know what time it is. Um, <laughs> time for a silly question for those, that may, for, for those that may be listening to this for the first time, it's time for a silly question. We take most of this podcast super seriously. And then right at the end, we just, we just, throw a pie in someone's face. So here we go. Can small to mid-sized enterprises or SMEs just, can't they just use a shrink ray to make other businesses, to, to, to make their business look bigger in relation to other businesses? Because then that way it wouldn't even matter if they were small because then er everybody else would be small. So they'd be the big fish in town. Couldn't they just be like, and that big business over there, you're small now. Isn't that, just, is, couldn't they just do that? I think they could. I, I think they absolutely could, Roman. Uh, you know, there is a shrink ray uh, but but maybe what I'll do is I'll kind of reverse it a little bit and I'll tell you that there is a growth ray. So, um, you know, I have to share with 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 our audience, you know, I have so many great stories about being about being really, really small. And if you think you're small, by the way, I'll tell you what small is. All right. Small is I was 19 years old planning this business in the same house that I grew up in my childhood bedroom. Uh, I'm 20 years removed from that and a whole lot of success later. But let me tell you, that's where I came from. I was 20 years old. I was going out to networking events in, in my local city. And I remember very distinctly, they were holding a business networking event at a bar. And I freaked out because I really wanted to go to this event. And I really wanted to network as much as I could, but I couldn't get in the bar because I wasn't uh -oh. 21. <laughs> and this is a true story. So you want to talk about shrink ray. I said to the to this, this group of, of business people, it was, I think they called them leads groups back in the day. I said this leads group, I said, I have one problem. And I was very embarrassed. I really didn't even know how to handle it. It was so embarrassing. It was one of those like, well, I walked in the room, my shirt off. So now here I am. And turns out everybody's in a suit. So I say to the group, I said, hey, um, so I can't actually get into this venue. Uh, but I want to come network with you guys. 
And I'll never forget this. Um, one of the insurance guys who will always be a friend to this day, uh, one of the insurance guys, he said to me, Hey Mike, that's cool, man. I'm just going to bring you in and tell them, tell them you're my son if they ask. And I have to share with you that as a, as a small business owner, um, you know, it's not the shrink rate you need. It's the growth rate that you need to just shine on yourself because being small is tough. I'm not going to BS about it. Like it's way easier to run my business you know, being a multi, multi-million dollar business and tons of staff. And like, I'll give you a great example. I don't have to fire people anymore. I got a guy for that, right? That's the best thing that ever happened in my business is I stopped worrying about the emotion of having to fire somebody. I got an HR person. And when there's a problem, we try to correct it. Believe me, we do. But man, when it comes to that decision of firing, we make those decisions so much better when there's not emotion involved. Cause I know all I have to do is say the word and it's taken care of, right? Without me being involved. It is way, way easier and better to shine that growth ray on yourself than try to shrink the competition around you. At every major turn of my business, I've had bigger competition. Uh, you know, I think that it would be hard for me to argue that I don't have bigger competition. I think we're the largest compliance consultant for the defense industry that exists today that solely focuses on defense. Uh, I'm not aware of one that's bigger. And maybe I'm wrong out there, but you know what? I got I got blinders on, man. I'm 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 coming to take this this uh, I'm coming to take this thing home. So I think that's you know I think rather than look at it as a shrink ray, I think that if you're really really small, a couple of the techniques that I used to use, which are pretty laughable now, but but maybe they'll help you, uh, is I always referred to everything about the company as we, indicating that there was more than one person, even when there wasn't. When I was a one person business, I always said the word we. Didn't matter who we was. Matter of fact, actually, if you really want to know, my mother was my my original receptionist. And it still took me six months to, to get her to answer the phones. She wanted me taking the phone calls, uh, you know, initially so that so that she would know what I what she should be saying. Um, so, you know, I use the word we a lot. You know, I refer to partners. A partner doesn't necessarily mean someone in your business. It can mean another company. It could mean vendors. It can mean all kinds of things. I partner with vendors all the time. So one is, I think you might want to consider if you're talking to a big giant, uh, I'll give you another great story, right? So we uh, we were one of the very first outside third parties to ever migrate a department in the Navy. And I won't specifically state which department it was, because I think, again, I want to be careful about NDA stuff, but the Navy is a big, broad thing and not covered by it. Uh, we migrated a particular department in the Navy over to Office 365 when that was a first becoming a thing. Uh, we were probably the first company to do that. Um, it was intimidating as heck being a, at that time, four or five person company negotiating a contract with the Navy. Okay. I think I might've been like 24, 25. Um, at that time it was, you know, much cooler to be sort of really, really young. They just anticipated that they knew what the heck you were doing in tech. It was kind of cool. Now it's a little bit more of a mixed bag. There's some gray hairs in tech. Uh, but we literally, uh, were sitting there like negotiating on this contract. And boy, let me tell you what, I, I was scared out of my brains. I mean, here I am literally like putting my business on the line, agreeing to do this work for, you know, a big giant government agency, the Navy. Uh, it was scary stuff. And I think when you're small, the easiest thing to do is realize you got nothing to lose. You just, you don't, you, maybe you think you do, but you don't have anything to lose. And I think that's another sort of mindset shift that for the small businesses, what you're worried about losing and protecting is so small anyway, it doesn't matter. And so you might as well take some risk. Um, you, you really might as well take a little bit of risk. And I think, again, in defense contracting, there's just no better place to take the risk. You're not going to have to worry about whether this client's going to pay you or not. 
Um, we've got private sector, you know, client clients that very, very rarely, but about once a year it pops up where we'll have a challenge with payment on one of those guys. And it's like, dude, they're private sector, man. It's it's lawyers or bust. I'm not going to have to worry about whether the defense department, you know, Department of Defense is going to pay me or not for the work as long as I perform it. So, um, look, it's not a perfect world out there. Some people might contradict me on that one, but I will tell you that I have a lot of clients and payment is not their problem. So, um, yeah, a lot a lot to unpack there in that answer. But, uh, you know, what I would say is it's not the competition that you have to worry about. It's not a growth rate you have to worry or rather a shrink rate on them you have to worry about. What you really need to do is recognize that when it comes to business, you're really you're in a competition of one. It's all about how good you can do. I don't care if you have the biggest competitor sitting next door to you. You're not going to do it the same. Um, and so as a result, you just have to find those areas, highlight them. And frankly, you just have to you have to do your own thing. So uh, I'd say quit worrying about your competition. Right. They, they you know, in some respects, I guess you could say if you're going to use a shrink ray on them, shrink them to the point where you just don't think about them anymore and concentrate on yourself and, and doing doing what's right. Get compliant. Go after more defense business. Um, and if you're a large client, OK, if you're if you're a large company and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I got myself into this hot water because I've only got one or two percent of my business that's in defense. I would reflect back to what I said earlier, which is, well, dude, if you got one or two percent of your businesses in defense, how much larger can you grow that footprint? I think when we when it comes to the enterprise clients, let me tell you what the shrink rate is. The shrink rate is they need to shrink their egos a little bit because uh, a lot of times they get, you know, sort of so caught up in how big they are. And, you know, that they have a core focus for their own business. But, you know what, you stumbled into defense somehow. So just go do more of it, you know, shrink the noise and maybe maybe go find a growth rate for what has worked. And they wouldn't be coming to us unless the defense work was working and worth the money that they you know that they're showing out. So uh, hopefully that answers that little fun question. I, I love the fun questions. It, it gives me a chance to kind of you know, shine a little bit of a different perspective on things. So a little bit of an entrepreneurial episode this time, Roman. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we somehow got from shrink ray to not being able to network in a bar. Uh, that is how we do it here on Mission Compliance. <laughs> and that and that wraps up another great episode of the podcast. We hope our discussion today provided you with valuable insights, practical strategies, and inspiration to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. We'd like to extend our heartfelt appreciation to Mike. Thanks for joining us again for another great episode and telling us all those great stories. Uh, But the conversation doesn't end here. We encourage you to continue exploring these topics and connect with us on our social media channels. Share your thoughts, ask questions, and engage with fellow listeners by using the hashtag Mission Compliance Podcast. You can also visit our website at missioncompliancepodcast.com for show notes, transcripts, and bonus content. If you just don't get enough of looking at these two faces, just go (laughs) over there and you can get it. Even more, check out the YouTube channel, all that jazz, if you can't get enough of this. Uh, If you haven't already, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to be the first to know when new episodes are released. And we'd truly appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review the show. Your feedback helps us bring you thought-provoking episodes and high-quality content. Join us again on the next episode of Mission Compliance as we delve further into the dynamic world of defense, security, and industry innovation. Until then, take care, stay informed, and make compliance your mission. See you next time.